Take your seats. We're going to get ready for another episode of The Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. You have myself, Dustin Wall, a.k.a. Lays with Beave, a.k.a. your Troop Scout leader. To my right, we have... I'm the historian, Denim Wall. I'm also known as Smoking Dart. And across from Smoking Dart, you have myself, Miles, uh, Chief Runs with Bins, also known as... And I am the Keeping It Real Consultant. Which means I don't do anything. And to start off this meeting, like we do with every meeting, uh, I'd like to start the straight arrow oath. All right. Well, if you're in a scout uniform, we'll get a three-finger salute. Civilians' clothes, hand over your heart. Repeat after me. A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow always uses a clay ashtray. And a straight arrow is always against Bill HR 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Can I get a round table? Wima Tanya? Wima Tanya! Ah, uh, feels good. All right, so historian, why don't you tell us a little bit about why we're here today? Yeah, so this is another re-recording. I'm sorry. This is, uh, we've gone back through, we had to uh, dress this. Well, here, how about I just intro the episode like I did the first time we recorded this? Have a listen. Well, yeah, Square Peg, written by Joe Stillman, who previously worked on, he was a co-writer of Beavis and Butthead Do America, and he went on to write, co-write Shrek 1 and 2. Great films. And, uh, so this episode was released on 19th of January, 1997. It's the second episode of the first season. Oh, man. Um, oh, I skipped over the director. <laughs> it's directed by Gary McCarver, who worked on The Simpsons in various animation jobs from 93 to 97. And he directed a lot of King of the Hill episodes. Um, this is uh, this episode was nominated for the Primetime Emmys for Outstanding Animated Program, nineteen ninety seven. So a quick rundown and synopsis of the episode: Bobby's school sends home permission slips for sex ed class, and after some right wing maniac scares the teacher away, Peggy eventually takes the job. So this leads to not only awkwardness between the kids at school, but also the adults at home. That was brutal. I'm so sorry. So much dead air. I don't know what was going on there. There was so much fucking dead air. It was like you guys, we recorded it in a funeral home, but different funeral homes because there's like 10 second pauses between each time we fucking talk. It was like we had to run back and forth. Had to fax him. It's like we had no uh, foreshadowing in this episode. It's like we didn't even watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's way too much Peggy in this episode to make anybody interested. This whole episode, listening to it, trying to edit it was so hard everything took forever to get out yeah you can just you can feel how not excited we are to get to the next part every part 
Yeah, I think we stayed up like way too late the night before at the Rainy Street block party or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So diving into the episode, the first scene we have Peggy. She's working in her office, which is actually just like a utility closet with a hot water <laughs> tank and shit in it, and she's grading papers. Um, Hank back is out. Uh, they're in the living room putting icy hot on Hank's back while Bobby enters with his permission slip. My favorite part of this scene is what Bob or what Hank was assuming the permission slip would be for him and it was either contact football or the ringworm test. <laughs> so this is back when we didn't know what we were talking about and but we still had the audacity and utter nerve to record it. <laughs> <laughs> so this scene, Hank is, Hank's back is out as we mentioned earlier and he's putting icy hot on it. Oh Denim, have you ever used icy hot before? No. Dustin, have you ever used Icy Hot before? Icy Hot, A535, Tiger Bomb, you name it. That's what I expected. I've used the same as a, uh, as I'm also a former washed up athlete. Um, Rub A535, Tiger Bomb, and Icy Hot were all staples of, you know, the equipment bag, the locker room, wherever you went. So my sport was lacrosse. And probably when I was around like 15, 16 years old, you know, you get bored of just being the sport and then you kind of look around and there's like 22 like you know teenage bros all hanging out so what is the next thing you do dare your best friend to put a535 on his ball sack no you don't have to dare him he just does it <laughs> i was gonna say i didn't really know what icy hot is but like if it's tiger bomb yeah no i know yeah I, yes yeah, yeah i've done that yeah <laughs> i've done that it burns but it feels good and then it cools and it also feels good unless you put it on a very sensitive part of your body like your scrotum <laughs> feels like you're hanging him out a window of the bus it is absolute torture for good like two to three maybe five minutes and then you're in flavor town baby <laughs> like yeah my body was going through a lot of changes but like not that fast <laughs> Like, damn, my elbow is sore. Better put some Tiger Bomb on my nuts. <laughs> this will help me win the championship. <laughs> I still don't even know what Tiger Bomb is actually for. Isn't it obvious? <laughs> Just put it on your nuts? It's for tigers. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Fuck. I like that in uh, Peggy's office, they got the substitute teacher of the year 1996 trophy. Yeah, she's quite proud of that. And one thing I did notice is that uh, it was a recent award because you can look at the the date of the paper that she's marking, and it's December 1996. So this award is pretty fresh in the Hill household. So the decision by the Hill residents to teach Bobby themselves about sex ed kind of backfires when neither of them can say any of the words without stuttering. If that actually would have went down, it would have been very similar to our first and second episodes of this <laughs> podcast. Yeah. It would have been a whole lot of neck scratching and ums and uhs. Like, oh, that was a weird noise there. <laughs> what do you know about sexual relations? I don't know. Nothing much. I'm a little worried about being a slut. I love that quote from Bobby. I think it's the first time in the entire series that we see a, a real snapshot of who Bobby is. I think in the pilot episode, he was just kind of generic son in it. and He didn't really have much of his own thoughts or opinions, and that joke is just it's too funny. I know it sounds like my dog had just died that day, but that joke actually was really funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no emotion in that. 
Hank's outside with the boys, and he's talking all confident while Peggy's inside with Bobby blowing it. And uh, and yeah, it's funny. As soon as she comes out and realizes that she couldn't do it either, Hank Hank dawns on him that he's gonna have to do something about it. I love Bill's words of advice <laughs> from what he learned in the in the military. <laughs> to May Hall. I like I like that he uh, he also suggested that Boomhauer should be the one to teach <laughs> the boy. <laughs> yeah, man, I will tell you what, he talking about them dang old condom dispenser with them. He put a little, little fifty cents in there and he try to hit that corner, turn his bang on that thing, and it's talking about her needs. <laughs> Begins to illustrate more of Boomhauer is uh, is womanizing in the fact that the longest relationship he's ever had was a three day weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and after Boomhauer, then it's 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 Hank's turn to reminisce about how he learned about about the sexual education. It flashes back to him crying as a little boy. Hey, what you crying for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. Yeah. That's also how he taught me about paying taxes. So this is the second appearance of Cotton, I believe. But there's still just uh, flashbacks only. Yeah, it's just a flashback. But like what little screen time he has, he makes it, you know, he makes it really count. You know, that's that's life. You're fucking some or you're getting fucked. <laughs> he makes it a damn good show. It's a damn good show. <laughs> yeah, speaking about getting fucked. This sex ed stuff goes higher than the schools. It's that same old club of Rome zero population bull dink that the UN's been trying for years. So now we pan over to our own uh, local right-wing maniac to uh, have the conspiracy corner. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, tip of the spear here. Uh, feeling uh, feeling very free. So anyways, uh, the tonight's Daleism is uh, zero population. Uh, well, he talks about uh, club of Rome zero population bull dink. And <laughs> yeah, which is which is fantastic. Bull Dink, I'm definitely gonna add that to my lexicon. I'll be saying that quite a bit. But anyway, the whole zero population thing here, he, what he's referring to, and definitely in relation to the United Nations, as he later says, is zero population growth (ZPG). And this is the idea. It's a condition of a demographic balance where the number of people in a specified population neither grows nor declines. So basically, it's the rate of birth adding to the population equals the rate of death taken away from the population. You always have a plus one, and you always have a minus one, so there's zero growth. And the idea here is often cited when we're discussing environmental sustainability, because we only have so many resources on this planet. So imagine someone, let's call her Cindy, and she's just like the town bicycle and down at the local bar. She's popping out kids left, right, and center, sometimes at that same local bar. Anyways, while you and your lovely wife, you only have one child. So now imagine there's a food shortage. Fucking Cindy and her cold of brats are going to take all your hard-earned minerals, your Capri Suns, your processed corn feed, and your gelatinous fucking pink meat goop, or whatever the fuck people eat. And then you and your child will be forced to cannibalize your lovely wife. Fucking thanks, Cindy. So you might be asking yourself, how is this really a bad thing, and how is it not just resource or environmental management at the global level? Well, I've got three horrifying letters for y'all. N-W-fucking-O. That's the New World Order. This nefarious, sinister cabal is basically the fucking shadow government. These are the real shot colors that make the biggest decisions at the highest levels of government. This is some real cancer man from the X-Files shit. Men in black, like clandestine stuff. 
So now the real insidious purpose of the zero population growth for this organization of faceless evil would be all about control. Overpopulation leads to numerous problems, but the big idea here is that it's always easier to control or manipulate a smaller number of people than it is a large number of people. And you add in conditions of dwindling food supplies, lack of places to live, and all other sorts of resources drying up. All the people in these conditions are easily manipulated. However, the larger number of people, the more likely a revolt could happen. And then a loss of order. New world order. Educate yourselves, people. Bury your gold. Keep your radios fully functioning and have an appropriate amount of tinfoil in your house. Uh, thank you. All thank right, you very Alex much. Jones. <laughs> thank you very much for that. <laughs> Somebody get him a cold towel. <laughs> That was the tip of the spear. <laughs> so Dale has a bright idea to call in a bomb threat at the middle school and uh, threaten the health teacher into quitting. So now there's nobody to teach sex ed. And in Dale's mind, this is enough. But yeah. who does Tom Landry Middle School phone? The substitute teacher of the year, 1996, Mrs. Peggy Hill. And like, <laughs> what is Dale thinking? Like, why would he do it himself? Like, he's got to know somebody that voice isn't instantly recognizable to phone in a bomb threat. Like, he probably didn't even use Star 69. It's probably just a gribble on the call display. I wonder how many other local businesses he's threatened with this. <laughs> oh, so many. <laughs> and how daft is the health teacher to fall for it and quit? Like, you're going <laughs> to quit after one phone call? You're scared of this 90-pound basement dweller who lives off Mountain Dew and cigarettes. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, in Bobby's room, Bobby and Joseph are discussing which one of Bobby's friends' characters that they would fill with BBs. I'm not going to need my toys anymore. After I learn sex ed, I'll be too busy dating. Who? I don't know. Whoever wants to have sex with me. And I just, I wish when I was 11 years old that I had a Chandler action figure. <laughs> Pump full of BBs? No, he shoots Ross. Obviously, he shoot Ross. <laughs> okay, Denim. Dustin, if you had the option to shoot one of the members of Friends, who would it be? Um, I think the first one that comes to mind is uh, Janice Littman, Gorillanic, Nee Hornstein. <laughs> the annoying girlfriend. Oh, yeah. You'd, you'd be doing the world of, yeah. of a favor on that one. Dustin, what about you? Me? Um, can I line them all up and shoot them all at once? Does that, does that count? Yeah, that works. Then that's, that's, that's it. The whole cast, please. Director, producer. Even Gunther? Everyone, Denim. Everyone that had anything to do with that show. I'd say I'd probably have to shoot Phoebe. She, <laughs> I actually don't mind that show, and she was so annoying. And I always thought she was just so irrelevant to the rest of it. But I know if Ross could shoot one member from Friends, it would probably be his arch nemesis, Russ, who was also also played by David Trimmer. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, is, that, is that an episode? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, that's a conversation for another time. Maybe. I guess we got to start a Friends podcast. <laughs> the next scene is Hank out on the alley with his boys and the news has gotten out that peggy's the uh the sex ed teacher now dale doesn't quite like that and and then it goes into the baseball game where we see peggy talking with the ladies at, in the stands and then we see yeah. bobby where we meet Stuart dooley <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and we just i like i like we get a little uh section of all what all the characters think about sex ed and how it affects their social s settings 
Stewart? Did I say Stewart Dooley? I heard a Stewart Dooley there. Oh. Yeah, for sure. I don't know what's wrong with me. So, so, so tell tell us a little bit about Stuart Dooley. Stuart Dooley, another character voiced by Mike Judge. He's one of Bobby's classmates. He's known for his shaggy red hair and blank expression. He's definitely a troublemaker. In the later seasons, he is always paired up with the other bully of the class, Clark Peters, who we'll meet later. Now, Dooley is known for making obvious statements sound like a put-down. I'll give you a few examples. Your dad's white trash. <laughs> Your dad lost his job. <laughs> That's my favorite. This party is boring. Everybody hates you. <laughs> Tell me more about jail. <laughs> and that took courage. <laughs> Your dad lost his job. <laughs> <laughs> but that really at that point there with Peggy talking to the other moms in the crowds that was the real the, you know turning point in the episode really that's when was, yeah. when she was you know she was still didn't want to do it and it still made her uncomfortable but she was going to do her job you know besides what these you know narrow-minded friends of her were basically insinuating that she wasn't going to teach it yeah it's so Hank's so uncomfortable with the whole sex ed thing that he's, he's turning away intimacy from his own wife and in the bedroom and it, it leads to uh, a real divide all of a sudden between Hank and Peggy when they were on the uh the on the same page and now they're they're arguing and they're they're Hank kind of isolated himself from Peggy yeah it definitely underlines the repression that those characters feel about sex and talking about it like it's normal yeah and um Peggy Peggy asserts again basically that she's a substitute teacher and she, that's part of her job is that she can't pick and choose whenever they need her to teach anything she has to do it and then Hank brings up except that time where she got tickets to go to the Randy Travis concert <laughs> that's my favorite line the whole episode I took an oath darn it excuse me and if I start to pick and choose the whole system just breaks down yeah well you weren't too proud to pick and choose when you had those Randy Travis tickets Oh, no, those poor little kids never did get to make their clay ashtrays. I think it's hilarious that, that the kids are making clay ashtrays I know, in class. Like, <laughs> I can kind of remember, like, making ashtrays in, like, grade two or, like, at preschool and stuff. But, like, not a chance today could mm -mm, you make an no, ashtray. When I went through, like, the when we did clay in school, it, it turned into cups. We made clay cups. So it was probably around my time is when yeah, they when they transitioned away. Hello? You don't know who I am, but I know where you live. And if you teach that sex ed class, so help me out. Dale? Is that you? Oh, Hank, uh, can I speak with Peggy? Uh, Peggy, it's for you. It's Dale. Yellow Dale. You don't know who I am, but I know where you live. Some right-wing lunatic. <laughs> so there's a very uh, monumental thing that happens in this episode, and it's um, when Hank, Hank, Hank says he's not going to sign the other part of the side of the permission ship, so essentially he's not going to let Bobby be taught by his mother the sex ed class. So he takes Bobby to work with him for the day, and that's the first ever we see Strickland propane. Yeah, I did notice that. Mm-hmm. I like when he picks up the calendar and he's just flipping through it and he's just like, that's my work. <laughs> propane girls. <laughs> yeah, that calendar looked awesome. It's just a big propane cylinder and there's like a pinup chick just riding it. <laughs> Where can I buy this? 
So we see Hank. Um, he's sitting at his desk trying to do his work, and Bobby is clearly completely obsessed with the sex ed thing and he, he just keeps pestering his dad like well, i wonder what mom's teaching those guys i wonder what those guys are learning like he's obviously so curious and then he looks over i mean Hank keeps getting more and more mad and he keeps just telling him to sit still and be quiet and then bobby looks over and goes dad do you ever have sex anymore Hank <laughs> just kind of freezes and realizes that that's he needs to take his son to that class well no the thing that makes him take his son to the class was the when he asked him about the double standard, oh, yeah, right. and he and he keeps, I think that's a really good. Uh, I think that's a really good bit, because he just realizes the kid doesn't even know what he's talking about. Yeah, he like keeps, he's like, Bobby's like, you don't have to worry, Dad. I'll I'll never have sex. Yeah. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't yeah. say that. <laughs> what if you were my daughter? <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I like it when, uh, so he decides to take him to the school and I like it when Peggy got out of her car. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but I thought it was really weird. Peggy got out of her car and she got that giant bag and there's just like, it's like vibrating. I was like, that's a bit extracurricular. Like, yeah, I don't see her bring that out in class. She doesn't bring it like anything. Like she doesn't open that bag. And then she, when she brings it in and puts it on the desk, it's like a whole like crash. Like it sounds like, oh, like a bunch of hardware. Fire. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, that's exactly where the uh, the climax of the episode comes in, where Hank finally um, brings Bobby into the classroom, and he faces his uh, his fear of getting his son education, his sexual education taught in a school, um, and he says, "Yeah, who better than public uh, or substitute teacher of the year, nineteen ninety six, Peggy Hill?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it, it completely gets to wrap up the episode and we see that Peggy is all of a sudden she's full of confidence now and she she addresses the class. He goes, Okay, I want to see everyone's permission slips and then, you know, lo and behold, the only student who got permission was Bobby. The entire class had to go sit yeah, in the library and read for the for the hour of the class. After so she teaches him sex ed and then we get a cut when she goes back home. And her and Hank uh I guess Hank sent the kids out. So it's just him and Peggy and then we hear a uh, uh, favorite artist of Peggy Hills. You're my always and Some Randy Travis. <laughs> Who, uh, who's actually kind of almost a frequent on this show. We see him again in season three, I believe. Season four, he's a pretty... He's actually in the in the show. Oh, like his voice. Yeah, like his character's in the show. Oh, uh, cool. Like, like, yeah, like Tom Petty and... Yeah. I have a bit of a fun fact about Randy Travis that I'd like to <laughs> tell you right now. Um, so he went through a divorce in 2010 after his uh, career started to decline. Um, he used to do a lot of country music and then he advanced into Christian country music. And then after this divorce, he, he definitely went downhill. And in 2012, I believe they found him 20, 20 miles outside of where his ranch is. Uh, naked and demanding cigarettes in a corner store and uh, I guess he was very violent and rude and they refused him service and then the local enforcement found him at a church parking lot with no clothes on in his car 20 miles from Randy Ranch? 20 miles from his ranch I was, I was looking up those stories too and like he's such a clean cut looking dude so is his music and then you see this Fucking his strung out mugshot for like that night, and he's got like a black eye and like an open 
wound on his face. <laughs> yeah, he actually he threatened the lives of every trooper there. Apparently, <laughs> he tried. He said that he would kill them. So, uh, from all of us here at the in the Order of the Strayho, we uh we hope Mr. Travis gets back on track. <laughs> Him a nice gift basket or something. He, he actually did like over, I think, a year's worth of prison time for that. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. What were the charges? <laughs> Aggravated naked assault. <laughs> Being some drunk fucking naked guy. <laughs> it's in Texas. They're pretty conservative, you know. <laughs> it's like nobody shot him. <laughs> lot to look into later. This is fascinating. <laughs> Randy's a badass. Sorry, I have the correct stat here. It is two years of probation, a $2,000 fine, and a 180-day suspended jail sentence. Yeah, I don't, uh, I, I don't think aggravated naked assault can actually get more than Yeah, exactly. Jail I think it officially was a DUI plus a little some more change, but that's about it. Oh, yeah, naked DUI. I think that's so he was under the influence, you say? <laughs> When they tried to apprehend him, he actually crashed his car into a construction site <laughs> prior to the DUI rest. Wow. <laughs> he just kept dropping. <laughs> like he couldn't have just crashed. It had to be a construction site. It's so rock and roll. <laughs> really sure, you know, speeding through a construction site is bad enough, isn't it, Lucas? <laughs> No comment. <laughs> Dude was riding the bus for about three months after that. Well, I think that b- brings this Order of the Straight Arrow meeting to adjournment. Is there any final words from any of our uh, sponsors or anything? Well, I'm thinking... I I, I was thinking how this was a Emmy-nominated episode. And I don't know if I... Th- Think it was the, I think it might have just been talking about sex ed at the time. Maybe it might have been more interesting, but... Yeah, I think just because of the progressive topic, not as so much the, the content of the show itself. I mean, it is a good yeah, not portrayal. Bad I just... I kind of think there's some better ones. I haven't... Yeah, I haven't seen them all, but I can definitely feel like there there's more that could be in an episode. More jokes, at least. Well, even not necessarily jokes. Uh, just I, I just think there's stronger st- storytelling later on in this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it, it's a good episode. It's kind of just like the pilot. It's slow and, and slow in some spots, but they're still just trying to introduce the entire the entire cast, and they're kind of doing that bit by bit. So it had some really good jokes, and not enough John Redcorn for my liking. <laughs> None at all, actually. But I'm looking forward to what comes after that. I think it's when uh, King of the Hill really starts to hit its stride. Yeah, my uh, my quick thoughts on the episode. I mean, overall, I didn't really like it all that much. I think if I was to go back, I wouldn't wouldn't pick this one out and watch it. I mean, uh, some of the yeah, there's yeah. just too much Peggy. I just find her to be way too much of a dial tone, not an overly interesting character. I did really like the introduction of Dooley. He was fantastic. <laughs> Granted, he didn't say a lot, but everything he did say, I was in love with. It was fantastic. Hoping to see more of him in the future. Mm, definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Peg, this being a Peggy episode, I understand that it's episode two. You need to introduce the second most main character, Peggy. But uh, I, I'm not a fan either, so it did fall flat for me just in, in the sense of I would have liked to see uh, other characters be showcased. 
I didn't feel like Luann got much airtime on this episode. No, no, no. I mean, there wasn't there wasn't even uh, like Nancy. I mean, Joseph was only in one scene. Yeah, Dale really had like a like a D plot. Like it just their ongoing joke of the phone call really was all Dale had and. I really, I think Dale's one of my favorite characters, and I love seeing Dale and John Redcorn in the same scene. And I was just hoping yeah, the, for more the of that. The ending of the episode with uh, Dale getting picked up on the uh, on the message or the answering machine rather was just awesome. Just doing, you don't know who I am, but I know where you live. <laughs> Piggy and Hank were laying on the floor. And then and he goes, "Oh yeah, and Hank. By the way, we changed our tea time. <laughs> See ya." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, I think I'm going to wrap it up with one final Wematanya. Wematanya. And thank you for joining in on the meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. We will uh, see you next time at the clubhouse. Signing off. Why don't you leave us with a bit of some ra- or a little bit of Randy Travis? Some post jail Randy Travis if you got it. Always <laughs> and forever. Want to hear more Order of the Straight Arrow? Join the conversation on Twitter at Utsakothpod or follow us on Instagram at Utsakothpod or look for us on Facebook at Order of the Straight Arrow, the King of the Hill podcast. Catch new episodes every Sunday night. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at Utsakothpod at gmail.com. Please, no hate mail. Hey, what you crying for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us.